Hello Patriots and welcome to episode 66 of the Film 89 podcast. I'm Sky. I'm Richard and to my virtual left is... Hey podcast, Neil Gaskin, back during the fellow Marvel shills to talk about yet another Marvel show. Yeah, and at the request of one of our listeners in particular, Matt O'Keefe, who said the other day that we really need to hurry up and get the next episode done. Well, here it is, Matt, just for you. And we hope that Matt and the rest of our listeners don't have an aversion to comic books, because as Neil just alluded to, and as you already know if you've seen the description for the episode, for the third episode in a row, we're in very much in comic book adaptation territory as we discuss Marvel Studios' second series for Disney+, Plus, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now, guys, one film that certainly the three of us absolutely love is the Russo Brothers 2014 film, which was their first for Marvel Studios, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. But it's one that I don't think we've ever really discussed in depth on the podcast. And although the series we're about to discuss tonight follows on from events in both Captain America Civil War and the two Avengers films Infinity War and Endgame, it's The Winter Soldier, the first setup, much of what was to follow in the stories of the characters of Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes in particular. Now, am I right in that you've both re-watched The Winter Soldier prior to watching this new show? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's no secret that we all love it, but how does it hold up now in light of the fact that we are kind of like post-Endgame and, you know, going into a, a new era of the MCU? I think it's just, it's the same as uh, sort of effect you get with a lot of the sort of MCU stuff. Even films that I've not been, I've not overly disliked, but I haven't been that sort of like enthusiastic about afterwards. When you go back and rewatch, there's so much more you gain from the film, and there's so much more sort of character arcs and sort of early developments. You know, we've we, we've talked about it ad nauseum, haven't we? I, they're so sort of intertwined. But I got to be honest, with um, the Winter Soldier straight away, that was instantly possibly my favorite film, but definitely my top three film in the mcu without a shadow of a doubt and going back to rewatch it it just reinforced what a great film that is yeah yeah i'm, I'm the same i'm exactly the same with, with everything that's come since i haven't watched winter soldier for sort of a couple of years and i thought well because of the high quality that's come since particularly with things like infinity war and endgame and going back to it now going back to something which really um is in the infancy of the mcu and i was just off the back of off the back of the first avengers film I thought, would it still hold up? You know, everything I loved, you know, everything I really enjoyed about it, would it still hold up? And it, and it absolutely does. It, it is still up there. It's still it's certainly in the top five MCU films without a shadow of a doubt. Can, can you remember, guys, the sort of anticipation you had going into the Winter Soldier? Because what was it? It was 2014. We'd, you know, the previous year Marvel films, I think we, we certainly had, we had Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World. Guardians? No, Guardians was 2014. Now, I can't remember if Guardians was before or after The Winter Soldier. I think it came after. I think it came after because, like, yeah. for some yeah, reason, I, I think Winter Soldier was the first release of 2014, wasn't it? Yes, it was, and I think I think Guardians was about August time, wasn't it? July, August. Mm, yeah, because it was, yeah, it was yeah. like the summer film, and I think uh, Winter Soldier was probably April, May. Now, I, I, I remember, I think, Neil, up, up until this point, I think you and I had probably seen all the Marvel films together in the cinema. I remember that this was definitely one of the first that I didn't see with you yeah. and I think God, I think you may have seen it a couple of weeks before me I was really late to seeing this one this was 2014 my second son he was only a couple of months old and I was finding it really difficult to get to the cinema and I think it got to the point where it was like right if I don't go and see this film now I'm going to miss out on my chance of seeing it in the cinema and I remember I went one afternoon about five o'clock I, I went straight after work straight to the cinema on my own and watched the film and I remember immediately afterwards messaging you saying I, I don't know what I've just seen but that may be my favourite of these films so far. I think it's just gone for me. My love of the film has just gone up and up and up. Even post-Infinity War and Endgame, 
I do think that The Winter Soldier is still my favourite MCU film. Yeah, I can, I can remember in my own sort of like non-spoilerific fashion telling you that I, th- I think I described it really badly because I think I went something along the lines of, look, it's the same, but it's very different or something like that, you know? You did, it, I got to say, Neil, you did a really good job of playing your, your, your cards close to your chest on that one. Cause... Yeah, I knew, I knew straight away you were going to appreciate the sort of tone of the film because I say with the sort yeah. of 70s sort of Cold War sort of espionage sort of vibe to it. Yeah. I knew there was going to be, instantly you were going to pick up on that. But it, like you say, you know, the films that have preceded them, I mean... Thor The Dark World, we've, we've already discussed it before, whilst not a terrible film by any stretch of the imagination, was a bit of a sort of damp squib, wasn't it, in comparison oh, to what it yeah. before. Yeah. Iron Man yeah. 3, first time round watching Iron Man 3, I mean, I came out of that and was thoroughly disappointed. I thought they'd actually done a disservice to the character. I've since yeah. gone back and, you know, you know, I've sort of softened my sort of my stance on it. I was at the stage now where I was thinking, mm, do you know what, maybe, maybe the bubble's already starting to burst here. You know, we got yeah. a, we built up towards the Avengers. The Avengers had come out and it was like, you know, it was pretty much, is this going to work when they're all sharing the screen together? And it was like, oh, great, it mm. does work. You know, we'd had all the sort of build-up films as well. You know, the Thor, you know, Captain America, and especially the two Iron Mans as well. And then it was like, oh, they just start to lose it now. And then all of a sudden this came through and it just like, well, it just hit you like a sucker punch, didn't you? You didn't see it coming. Oh, yeah, and I think by this point, I don't think we'd yet kind of completely fallen in love with Captain America, the first Avenger, because I think that's a film that we have appreciated as the series has gone along, and we've gone back and revisited it, and there's things in that film which improve when you've seen what's to follow. Yeah. And I think going into Winter Soldier, we were still, I think, a bit sceptical about Cap as a character. Yeah, well, we, well, hadn't had him. We, we hadn't had him in a modern setting on his own, had we? We hadn't sort of seen no. how he... How he is in sort of thing of you know how do you make Captain America relevant? How does it work in in modern times? The same argument that they apply to Superman, the first Avenger, as you said, we've we've spoken about it on here before. You know, it's something that when it came out, we were so hyped for the Avengers that I think we sort of overlooked it really, and it was a case of all that we were waiting for was that end that end credit scene with um with you know with, with Cat waking up in twenty twelve. Yeah. So we, you kind of skip over it. I was going to say, Rich, you've nailed it there as well, but the first Avenger film being a sort of period piece, it almost sort of fitted into the sort of uh, slightly, sort of, I don't want to say camp, but slightly sort of kitsch sort of character that Captain America was to us at that time, didn't it? And like you say, yeah, with the yeah. Avengers, it was part of a team-up. That was my doubt going into this film, especially when they'd seen what they'd done with the second Thor film, was how are they going to sort of progress this character? Now, we, all right, he served his purpose in the Avengers, but where do we go from here? But that was the issue with, with apart from Iron Man, wasn't it? Because Iron Man was very, very Iron Man bucked the trend straight away. You know, the end, the, the end sequence, dismissing secret identity. You know, straight away, mm-hmm. I am Iron Man. Everything else, particularly Thor and Captain America, their origin films were very, were very much set in their own settings. Okay, we had the very much the fish out of water story with Thor, but it was so much about him and Asgard, and it was all making that sort of relevant and that scene. Um, that that it was it was um, something which which they could put a modern take on and they, and it would be accepted. But then, as you say, when you've got when you've got them all coming together, you know you, you you've got the humor of them interacting. You've got their different. They they almost well they're in on the joke and they're making fun out of the cliches about their characters. So you know you know Tony Stark he, he's saying it, isn't he? You know calling Thor Point Break and going on about you know captain america being the sort of the the, the blue-eyed uh, boy scout and all that sort of stuff so it, this was the first opportunity where it was a case of with with winter soldier this is captain america this is captain america in 2014 this is captain america for a modern day audience 
and it's a, you know it's a serious film. There isn't there's there is some humor in it, but it's a very serious film. Yeah, it's a complete tonal shift from anything really that we've seen before. Do you do you think, guys, that after the first Avenger going into a you know the 2012 Avengers film, just as much as Tony Stark changes and upgrades his suit every film, sometimes several times during a film. Cap has gone through a lot of different iterations of his suit. And after the first Avenger, which his standard going into battle suit, which looked very utilitarian and very kind of functional. Obviously, there's the, the sort of WSO using him as a propaganda sort of suit, which he's worn purely for comic effect. But the actual suit that he wears when he's battling the Red Skull and, and the Hydra and all of them, it looks really cool. You know, And it still somehow fits in with 1940s, World War II era style kind of combat clothing. Yeah. But then going into the 2012 film, the suit that he's got in that film just made him look kind of goofy. And I think because he also, apart from the odd few things where he says, oh, you know, I got that reference and there's a few jokes like that. I think he played it very straight-laced and I don't think they made enough of that man-out-of-time kind of thing, which, I, to be honest with you, given the fact that we're dealing with all of these characters in one film for the first time, they probably didn't have enough time yeah. to dedicate to fleshing out the Steve Rogers character beyond what we had seen in 1940s. Because obviously... As soon as he ends up in 2011, 2012, we want to see how he's adjusting to this, you know, 70 years later kind of life where everything is completely different. I think they were only able to touch on that briefly, whereas we've kind of been drip-fed that later on as we get to know this character more. And I think going into The Winter Soldier, it was like a slap in the face of, right, this character, you're now going to see him fully unleashed. It's like that opening scene on the Lumerian Star, that the, the ship where he is just running down the deck, yeah. and he is literally bowling guys over the side. He is kicking ass, and there's a, an immediate kind of grip you by the throat and say, right, you thought Cap was pretty neat, and he was kind of like... Dicey, dicey, sort of boy yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. This is Cap now, who's very quickly adjusted to the modern era, an era of terrorism, and just a whole completely different playing field. And from that point of view, very early on in the film, like even the way he looks with that kind of um, that stealth suit he's got where all the stars and stripes, everything is kind of paired down to very muted yeah. colours and greys. And even his shield, if you look at his shield, it's kind of like a dark blue and like a gunmetal grey. There's no red in it. Yeah, everything it's is kind of, kind of like, lost the sheen, haven't it? The, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like it's like a cap, it's like a camo version of cap. You, you know, the, just the way he is and, and just the fact that he is fighting on a level now that we like the choreography in these films so far has been very good but this film was literally just like it was like watching something that was choreographed by Yan Wu Ping it was just fantastic and then when it, we it see it just baffles George me with, with sorry I was going to say it just baffles me with how how much you can get out of a shield you know it, yeah. it, it, it's mind blowing it, and, that, and that isn't overstating it it is mind blowing the stuff that he does with the shield you, you just think <laughs> Go into something we'll we'll discuss later with regards a character in this new series killing someone. Yeah. You've got to say how many of those guys that Cap knocked over into the sea survived, and you know countless times throughout this film, there's kind of minions that he probably has ended up killing, and mm. we, you know it all happened so quickly that we just instantly disregarded. But he is not holding back. No, not at all. Not at all. Mm. The, the Winter Soldier, it, it's things it does which you can only applaud, like bringing Robert Redford in as Alexander Pierce. You know, obviously, there's a strong link to films like uh, Three Days of the Condor and you know the, the Parallax View and '70s conspiracy thrillers. Yeah, so that's one of the you know inspired things it did, it did was not just that, but casting Robert Redford as the bad guy. You know, because obviously he was like the you know the blonde-haired, blue-eyed uh, you know 
poster boy of 70s cinema that was, you know, always playing these wholesome roles, you know, for the most part. And yeah, you know, that was inspired casting. You know, you it was kind of like, in a way, an Avengers 1.5 because we've got, you know, we've got Black Widow, you know, we've, we've got Nick Fury. It introduces Sam Wilson. You know, it just felt a little bit bigger and a, and, a, and a bit more epic than any of the kind of standalone, you know, um, Marvel films that we'd had up until that point. Maybe with the exception of of Iron Man three, which you know, with that big huge dust up at, at the dockyards at the end, you know, kind of felt pretty epic. But it was just so much about that film that even now, you know, with the, the, the stuff we've had in the form of Infinity War and Endgame, it just still every time I watch it, I'm just blown away by how tightly constructed it is and how down to earth but at the same time perfectly fits in you know the mcu as it is the the balls with it it's the downfall of shield you know we the in the first however many films we are into this now by the time we reach this film the the shield is so intrinsic to the avengers universe that we've that has been established and and has been such a key part in in most you know most of the key films then um shield have had sort of an involvement of obviously then um, brought about the, the teaming up and everything and then the balls of it then to all of a sudden then completely break shield down and turn shield on its head it was a definitely a left field choice to, to to go down so soon then mm. to turn everything on its head and so confident as yeah. well because it'd be very easy to have a, f- a few years of captain america saving people taking down the latest threat and he's backed up by shield and all this it would be very very easy and safe to do that but it was so unexpected, and and, and I know it's not a, a massive impact, but you know this is halfway through the first series of Agents of Shield, and at this point we obviously didn't know that the Marvel Television Universe was going to be quite so disjointed from the franchise. But at that time, it was a case of well, you've just launched a TV series called Agents of Shield, and halfway through that first season, you've then destroyed Shield. So it's mm. kind of it was a surprise, and it and it wasn't and it wasn't it never felt like it was done for shock's sake or for it felt very very organic and it really really yeah. you know obviously the ramifications then were felt you know for years to come. The the one little misstep which I think the film makes, which I always kind of think uh, you know I don't know how I still how I feel about that is the kind of rug pull with Nick Fury faking his death. Yeah, I, I yeah. Just, I don't, I don't know if it needed to be done like that, and because of the way his death is played out with, with Cap and and Natasha, you know, watching him effectively die, yeah. and then yeah, we later find out that he uses his experimental serum, which Bruce Banner was using to lower the heart rate to the point where you know it, it almost looks like someone is dead. That's the only little kind of nitpick I can I can think of with this film. But everything else it does, it just does to such a high standard. And like the, the Russo brothers in their first outing, walking into a franchise like this from the background they came and just completely nailing it. And not only that, but then they followed up three more times. Yeah, like yeah. you say, like you say with the Russos, it was almost because they were known as sort of comic, uh, comedic sort of directors. When I sort of saw that they were taking on that role, I thought that perhaps they were going to try and bring a sort of lighter side to Captain America, and as it was, it was complete mm. opposite, wasn't it? Yeah. What was the um, show that came from? Community. Community, of course yeah, it was. Community, yeah. 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 They, you know, they just walked into this 
brazenly and and just completely stole the show you know to the point where effectively from a directorial point of view they have been handed now the keys to the franchise because they've literally helmed the the two biggest films in the franchise and you know like you say i mean there was there was um uh, what was his name josh uh welder or something was <laughs> was the sort of main go-to so you know Neil for, for people who were coming in right for you know fresh to film 89 who were not familiar with the podcast that, that running joke isn't going to work for everyone I like I like I like to yeah just just refer back to the previous episode no, I like to think this is like a sort of little Marvel Easter egg now see if you're not if you're not if you if you haven't watched if you haven't listened to the preceding episodes you won't fully appreciate what I'm doing here I like your style Neil but no I, I think you know we'll say we'd had sort of Josh Wider and done stuff before and he was almost a sort of go-to guy for the sort of big ensemble films, wasn't he? Yeah, so so we thought. And like you say, obviously with this now, this this almost became Avengers one point five, you know, or one point five or whatever, didn't it? Yeah. And it was also that sort of turning point where they started getting more comfortable with being into, able to say, okay, because they did it. When you look, Civil War is effectively Captain America three. But it's not Captain America three, really, is it? No, it is. It's Avengers two point five, isn't it? After, and yeah, it was like three it, it was like as if they sort of thought, right, okay, we're we're okay with this character to start introducing other characters into the films. And they've done it several times since now, haven't they? Mainly, yeah. mainly sort of cameo based stuff. But you know, it seems a sort of strange choice to say with the both sequels to Captain America. We're going to sort of ram in a load of other sort of uh, superheroes as well, but somehow it's still going to be his film and it's not going to feel overcrowded. Yeah, yeah. And obviously they had to bring a lot of the wider MCU into Infinity War and Endgame, the, the, the kind of space stuff, the Guardians, Thor, you know, the more fantastical elements. But going into this series now, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, do you agree that the tone of this series is more in keeping with The Winter Soldier and Civil War? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'd definitely. say, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, there was even little sort of drop droplets of uh, the, the sort of Civil War theme tune as well in the, in the score to this, wasn't there? Dotted throughout the, you know. But um, I think they sort of set their stall out straight away that this was this was going to feel part of the sort of Captain America universe within the MCU, you know? Mm-hmm. So after WandaVision, where we kind of, we went in with varying degrees of expectation and pretty much I think by the end, you know, went through all the motions of having our socks blown off and a lot of rug pulls and came out of that series generally extremely satisfied what was your anticipation going into this well much shorter and more kind of compact what, what do they call it a limited series limited yeah. series yeah limited. yeah it's a limited series as in the number of episodes but if you look at sort of one division i think that some of those episodes were clocking in a sort of 22 and 23 minutes yeah and then compare it to this, where I think that the shortest episode was around sort of the 46, 47 minute mark. Then really speaking, although it's a limited sort of six episode series, it's, it's probably longer than WandaVision. It's just mm. not spaced out as much. I think a, a lot of the times with WandaVision, I say, especially with the, the early episodes, they were almost doing it like we were saying in the sitcom format. And they were fitting it into that sort of thick sitcom running time, if you like. Whereas this was more of a sort of everyone and their dogs compared it to a buddy cop movie, but it was more mm. like it reminded me a little bit more of like sort of Saturday Night TV, if you like, you know, not your sort of Starsky and Hutchins or whatever, you know, but something a bit more modern, a bit more sort of a modern take on that, perhaps like the Lethal Weapon TV series, if you like. Yeah. Where you know you had a sort yeah. of like you know a, a, almost an hourly sort of slot that you could watch this once a week, the sort of things that as teenagers we used to all sit down and watch, you know. Mm. Well, talking about the first episode, guys, can you recall? Uh, I think the first episode dropped 
around about the time that we recorded the Zack Snyder's Justice League episode. Yeah. But that episode hadn't aired yet. It hadn't been edited and, and, and put out. Can you remember the kind of conversations we all had that we came out of Zack Snyder's Justice League for the most part positively surprised by the fact that, you know, a film that had previously been a bit of a dog had actually had a bit of an about turn, you know, a complete brush up and, and for, the, for the most part was a much, much better film. I don't know about you guys, but personally, after the first episode of The Falcon and Winter Soldier, it immediately made me reappraise Zack Snyder's Justice League because that opening action scene in this first episode with Falcon fighting Batrock and, and flying yeah. through those canyons and just the sheer scope and scale of that action scene and the way he was executed completely blew me away and I thought, well, I've got to be honest, I don't think that four-hour Justice League film had anything that could even remotely compare to this opening scene of this series. I think I messaged you, Zaku. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, let's give let's give Snyder a little bit of a break. You know, a lot of the sort of um, stuff that a lot of the money that was spent on the Snyder cut was just on FX, and you know, I love that end bit with Martian Manhunter and, and um, Ben Affleck looks completely shoddy. A lot of that was filmed on his driveway of his house behind green screen. So I'll give him a little bit of a break. There was a, you know, there was a, there was a pandemic on, but yeah, like you say, to compare anything that was in that film to that opening sort of action shot, hmm. which for me was up there with some of the best ac- action sequences, definitely aerial sequences we've seen since Iron Man three. Yeah, which Iron Man 3 has got the mother of all aerial action scenes. That skydiving scene with Air Force One yeah. is just unbelievable. Well, it's real, isn't it? They're doing it. It's, it's real, yeah. They, they filmed about 400-plus um, actual skydives with, with skydivers dressed as as those characters and then sort of mixed it all together with, with um, CGI effects, and it looks completely seamless. And it is one of the greatest, most jaw-dropping action scenes I've ever seen. And, yeah, this was up there with that in a television series. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think there's no way that George St. Pierre is diving out of that helicopter and then flying yeah. and then flying into another helicopter. But when I'm watching it, it actually looks as if he is doing that. And like mm, you say, yeah. you know, to me, that, I can only compare that with, like you say, the, the, the Battle of Monkeys Iron Man 3 technique, which, personally speaking, I'm terrified of heights. I'm watching mm-hmm. that on the big screen, having me sort of gasping. And i got to be honest, watching this on my sort of reasonably large TV screen, at me gasping, yeah. you know, I, I'm one of those people that if I see hides instantly, my stomach turns, you know? Yeah. And, and then very quickly, it establishes the fact that Sam Wilson has given up Captain America's shield. He's given it to the United States government. It's been put, you know, on display in the Smithsonian with this Captain America kind of... Exhibition. Yeah, exhibition, yeah, a tribute. Smith, to, a Smithsonian exhibit, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, like a kind of tribute to the, you know, the exploits and the heroism of Captain America across the decades. We don't actually see that the two title characters actually meet up in the first episode. No, like, yeah, I was going to say, it was it was quite a sort of contrast because you had both of them sort of going through their own sort of like inner turmoil. But mm. Bucky was almost like sort of neutered, wasn't he, if you like? He was, you know, I'm not saying he wants to be involved in big shootouts and, you know, and, mm. undercover espionage, but it's pretty much all he's known for God knows how long. And now he's yeah. having to go and visit a therapist and he's sort of sat there in his empty flat, sort of like bumbling around the streets, sort of like, you know, just a sort of like nomad really, isn't he? You've got no, you know, mm. He's a man without a time and a man without a place, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he is. And i got to say, guys, Sebastian Stan, in these first three episodes at least, certainly the first two, where, you know, we see so much of him 
trying to reintegrate himself into this modern time now. The fact that he's been able to, to some degree, you know, get some sense of normality back to his life and to and to shake the you know the the ghost of the Winter Soldier. I, I thought Sebastian Stan's acting was absolutely spot on 100 percent. and I, I i will say this this is the one thing i was gonna uh, say i've never had any sort of bugbear with either of these main characters no but neither no. of these characters have ever actually been something that i've wanted to see they, you know there's certain films when i'm you know for whatever instance like i don't know, thor turns up or i think oh would it be mm. great if you know we were doing it with uh one division wouldn't it be great if strange turned up now yeah and stuff like that I've never really, they've never really had that impact on me. Not that I disliked the characters, but they were just sort of part of the furniture, if you like. Yeah, they've always been more like kind of supporting of me. Sebastian Stan, especially. I mean, you know, you look at him in the first Avenger, he's given very little to do other than to be, hey, come on, Steve, you'll be okay, buddy, you know, and stuff like that. And then the Winter Soldier, like sort of 90% of that is almost sort of Terminator-esque, isn't it? Where yeah, you know yeah, he's yeah. sort of like staring forward, you know, most of his face is covered with a mask. He's got a big mop of hair, so it's very hard for him to mm-hmm. moat and stuff like that. S- seeing him in these opening episodes, like you say, he completely sold that character to me. Although we'd seen scenes before where when he was, you know, sort of like a sort of recuperation in Wakanda and um, mm-hmm. you know in the, in the previous films, the sort of hurt and the pain wasn't really written into his face whereas this he was like sort of almost chiseled into his you could almost see his soul could you with every time he was sort of reflected yeah. on something you know yeah they, they spent a good amount of time showing that you know at the end of end game you know it wasn't simply a case of you are you're, you're, you're here's the shield you're captain america now whether it was for sam or whether it was for for bucky you know in the same way that that one division was an exploration of grief and and what have you this was again showing that everything isn't solved. Bucky's had a hell of a life, uh, you know, and been oh, yeah. some horrendous trauma. And then just as he's kind of healing, you know, spent that good time in Wakanda, all of a sudden then he's blipped out for five years. So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. he's 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 one of those people that's come back as well. He is all over the place, isn't he? I think, like you say, you've got the, the sort of introduction of Sam's character in um, The Winter Soldier is sort of like, not PTSD involved, but he's sort of like, um, you know, being a counsellor to is, people isn't he? who are... Yeah, he's... Being a, people, yeah, he's, he's using his experience to counsel people, isn't he? Yeah, but again, he's ex-military and he's, you know, obviously got his own sort of scars. He's just managing to deal with them better. And it's the same type of thing with Bucky as well, I think, really, isn't it? Like, you know, like you say, the minute he sort of got back to normal, if you like, Thanos went and clicked his fingers and that was the end of him, wasn't it? And like yeah, you say, yeah. to come back then and to find out not only have, you know, you've gone through all this and you were just starting to, you know, to become back to your old self you've now got to sort of deal with the fact that for the last five years you know the rest of the universe has carried on without you and and there, there was some really kind of those, those sort of strange happenstance kind of things that, that that occur where i think it was about maybe mid 2018 like you as you guys know for whatever reason i gave up on the netflix marvel shows uh, I, I got a few episodes into iron fist and then for whatever reason i i just dumped them and I didn't go back to them until recently where I picked up where I left off I watched the remainder of the first season of Iron Fist then the Defenders and then I went into season one of The Punisher now that is a series that deals very much with PTSD combat related stress fatigue and all sorts of things like that grief and And, loss uh, yeah yeah. massively deals with grief and loss and 
it does it incredibly well and then i you know just by chance i ended up watching that series as this one was airing and you know there were there were some really cool parallels and it just had me thinking if this was going to be a limited series and if it was going to carry on and we were going to have this kind of like almost like a, a lethal weapon pairing up with these two guys you know just dealing with this sort of seedier kind of espionage related side of the mcu how cool it would have been to see frank castle turn up at some point yeah there's similarities i think there between John Bernthal's portrayal in season one of The Punisher and Sebastian Stan's portrayal, where, like you say, Neil, you can see that etched into his face is all of the bad stuff that he's ever done and all of this baggage that he's carrying with him. I just thought the way it comes across, especially in that scene where you know they're made to sit opposite one another and they're made to kind of have that, that sort of pressurised, you know, have it out with each other, mm. get everything off their chest... And Bucky is just seething. He's fuming with the fact that Sam has given up that shield. Why'd you give up that shield? Why are you making such a big deal out of something that has nothing to do with you? Steve believed in you. He trusted you. He gave you that shield for a reason. That shield, that is, that is everything he stood for. That is his legacy. He gave you that shield and you threw it away like it was nothing. Oh, so maybe he was wrong about you. And if he was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. finished yeah all right good and maybe this is something you or Steve will never understand but can you accept that I did what I thought was right because Cap trusted Sam and he said he trusted you he trusted you with our shield and if he was wrong about you then he was wrong about me and yeah. the way he says that with his voice almost breaking and it just reminded me of when you know, of William Shatner when he on t- at least two occasions has, has, has got his voice to break at just the right time you know that amazing scene in The Wrath of Khan where you know yeah. he says of all the souls I've met his was the most human and his voice breaks <laughs> and Sebastian Stan does that as he says then he was wrong about me and, and you can just see that he's almost losing it and you know for someone who just always holds it together and is always completely cool under pressure and whatever this is the most emotion we've seen out of him I just thought it was just so well done yeah because I was going to say because his, his emotional range in uh, I can't remember which film it was now uh, it's in um, Infinity War isn't it well, but they go to visit him basically, and it's sort of like, oh, it's time to go back to work, you know, type thing. Is your new arm? It's almost like he just sort of like looks a bit mopey. <laughs> he wasn't really given a chance to do much else, like was he? Yeah, you don't yeah. get enough from him, do you? And that's, I was going to say, that's no slight on him. I just don't think there was no. enough time there for him to actually have any sort of like deep delve into that character, was there? And that's why I say. You know, when you look at the, the character of Sam as well, it's much the same. I mean, the sort of climax to Endgame when Cap stood there going to face an entire army on his own and you're just hearing the little crackle of the, the voice of his ear saying Cap on your left. Oh. And no, it's brilliant, yeah. but at no point was I punching the air thinking, yeah, Falcon's here now, it's all going to be okay. You know, I thought that was like, I thought that was a nice knowing nod to that yeah. initial meeting. But what I'm saying is the character itself, I, I didn't feel, oh, it's going to be okay now because Fal- at least Falcon's here. You know, mm. well, I was yeah. there. It's, it's that thing of they're all back, they're back, yeah. not he's back. Yeah, and I was to say that was the same sort of thing there. When you look at the friendship those two had developed, and you know the sort of payoff with that, we didn't really get a chance to see their friendship as such, did we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and well, and the antagonism between them as well, which is obviously something that's really played out in the first half of this season. Yeah, 
The thing is as well, it's, 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 I do think it's worth noting as well that it speaks, again, it comes back to this thing with Marvel, that the, the number of layers that are there, because I think when, when through all the, from the first Avenger through everything else that came prior to the Winter Soldier, if you hadn't gone back and watched um, the first Avenger through, all, through watching everything else, you could be forgiven f- for forgetting who Bucky was. Yes, because yeah. you know that his mate died, but he wasn't in, in the first film. There, there isn't anything particular about his performance in the first film that makes him stand out beyond the fact that Cap had a friend who died. Yeah. And again, when no, he comes no, back no, then in The Winter stand. Soldier... No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely yeah, not. just, yeah, just like he's almost a throwaway character. Winter Soldier, and, and when, he, when you watch The Winter Soldier then, and he looks so different, it's kind of that thing of... It's, 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 it's much harder now to think back to what we were thinking. I mean, knew then, obviously, with, with the film coming out, we, we, we knew, and we're the type of people that go back and watch it. But I think you could be forgiven for, think, for, for not realising. However, when you now go back and watch, and I watched Winter Soldier and Civil War after episode two of the series. What I'm really enjoying is with these series that are coming out and with these new things is you can go back and watch films out of sequence, but even things like going back and watching Black Panther and only really paying attention to the characters that are in this series. It's it's brilliant because you could you, you someone could do an assembly cut of everything, you know, that you could do the Falcon and Winter Soldier cut of all the films and just have those sequences that are relevant. The layers of uh, of character stuff there and to go back and watch the first Avenger now knowing what we know about Bucky, there's so much more there than what you realized at the time because mm-hmm. it pays off later on down the line and and it is it, it means that none of the previous films are throwaway films there's even though they were you know different writers different directors overseen by feige obviously in the team but it just goes to show that nothing i know there's the odd retcon but by and large respect is paid thought is put into them respect is paid in the films that come back to pay off things that and an, an example being in this series i think i think i i, I tweeted you this photo there's a within the museum there's a photograph there's many photographs on the wall but one of those photographs is cap holding up the taxi door and in yeah. the first avenger you see the photographer taking the photo it's never mentioned again nothing's ever done with it but it's there it's in the yeah, if if that image shows in the Smithsonian of him using a taxi door as a as a as a shield, you think, hang on, that's just a still from the film. They couldn't use that in the museum. But then, if you look in the reverse angle, which shows Richard Armitage shooting at him, there's a woman in the background the with a camera yeah. taking a picture. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it had to be an accident. It couldn't have been planned that meticulously in advance because that would well, give well, I, I don't Kevin Feige and Co a godlike status. I don't think it was. <laughs> I don't think it was planned to the to the effect of oh, in seven or eight years' time, we'll do it. There'll be a streaming service and Disney will own us yeah, and yeah, we'll do yeah, that. Yeah. But I think it was planned in the effect that it was a really cool visual shot because the, the taxi door had a star on it, didn't it? Yes, so he, it did. So he was yeah. holding up the, the, the first version of a shield, if you like. But, uh, you know, so they, they'd obviously planned it for that thing, that we could use this, even if it was just on the front of a, you know, a spinning newspaper in between seats yeah, or something. Well, yeah, was it, was it actually done for that purpose, Neil? And actually, in the first Avenger, there was one of those sort of newspaper That's shots right, of him. That's right, I'm thinking it was. Yeah, maybe it was. Out, and they just thought, it's such a great visual, that at some stage, we'll use that. <laughs> you, mm. know, it, you know, that could have... not mention that, it. That, that could have quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. quite easily been... A photo inside of like Alexander Pierce's file or Nick Fury's database yeah, or something, yeah. couldn't it? You know, it would have been yeah. it would have been a nice, interesting shot. But you know, for whatever reason, it wasn't used, and they utilised it here, which is really good. So obviously, Sam gives up the shield, and then in the second episode, uh, very quickly, Sam and, and Bucky meet up, uh, and Bucky very obviously makes it clear the fact that he's pissed with Sam with the fact that Sam doesn't 
for whatever reason, doesn't feel that he can fill the boots of Captain America, who could. But then at the end of that episode, or was it at the end of the first episode where we first introduced to you know the, the, one of the other main characters in it, John Walker, played by Wyatt Russell? Yeah. Yeah, that was the end of the first episode, wasn't it? Yes. And then obviously the second episode begins with the introduction of this new iteration of Captain America. John Walker, you know, a war hero, you know, a veteran of Afghanistan and, and who knows where else. What do we think of John Walker as a character in this show and Wyatt Russell's portrayal of him? Well, when, when he first comes out and he's wearing the outfit, I'm not the only one in noticing the fact that his ears were bent down and yeah. his chin was sticking out. And he just looked like a goon, didn't he? He just... It was just a case of this is someone with really poor cosplay. They're, they're, they're almost taking the piss out of Captain America. It, it was kind of like, you know, and this is no disrespect to Wyatt Russell at all, but that certainly, it was certainly framed that way. And, the, you know, he was made, he was supposed to look. You were supposed to look at him and think, there's no way he's Captain America. You're not Captain America is your instant thing as soon as you look at him, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. Which is quite it? strange because I, then... actually, I actually read that he was actually considered for the role originally. Yeah, you auditioned, didn't yeah. you? Wow. Yeah, you auditioned for it. Yeah, no so, way. You know, it was quite. Uh... But I think as well, it, what what was what, what they did very well then. You know that that that, that was very clever um, sort of um, television setup uh, there because they, they obviously left you feeling that way. And then what they do then in the first sequence then of episode two, straight away showing you actually no, this guy isn't a goon. He's a decorated war hero. You know he his. Yeah. He's entitled. If anyone's going to be as enti- entitled to carry that mantle, then this guy is as is as entitled as anybody else who is not a super soldier. Because they very quickly show yeah. you know everything. Your your first impressions were completely wrong. Well, I think given his abilities and the way he, he's he's able to handle himself without having any super soldier serum in his body, he is actually the peak you know human performance. He is, for all intents and purposes, a a superhuman. Yeah, yeah. like you say, without any sort of enhancements, he really is. Someone who's like a sort of like you said, decorated war hero, also mm. confident in his own abilities as well. You know, so you sort yeah. of get the impression that he's been behind enemy lines. You know, at to sort of like kill people with his bare hands. You know, eat things, make a billy go puke and stuff like that. Like, so it all sort of. <laughs> but there was a nice sort of twist with that one there, which is he came out and he did this sort of like Good Morning America type show, didn't he? Where he was very sort of confident, and very sort of polished, and very sort of. You know, had all the right answers. Knew you know which camera lens to look at, and when to smile and when not to smile, and what to say about Steve. And he was so well rehearsed. But then you had contrast that to the sort of minute before when he's in the locker room, almost like sort of throwing up sort of pre-stage nerves, isn't he? And from, yeah, and from yeah doubting lines, himself. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was... that's just, it's, it's telling us to be to be um, sympathetic towards him, isn't it? You yes. Know, you're, yes. They're, they're playing again. It's kind of you, you think all of a sudden, hang on. I thought this was the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Now, are we supposed to get behind this guy now as well? Let, let's look at his story arc in this series as a whole. And obviously, you know, his, his character has this rise, then a very dramatic fall. Is it in the f- end of the fourth episode where he's you know, where Battlestar gets killed and then he in, you know he very publicly kills that guy with the shield? Yeah, yeah, it was episode four. Yeah, end of the fourth, isn't it? And then obviously later on in the well, in the, in the final episode, well, he kind of gets you know redemption of a sort. How do you feel about the way that his story arc is handled? And is he a character that you want to see more of in the MCU? He's definitely a character I want to see more of, because I think it's quite an interesting character. What I would say is he was a character that for the first four or five episodes, I was convinced was going to be... I, I was sort of at this stage, I was thinking, I'm enjoying Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I'm also enjoying the separate show, which is Baron Zemo and John Walker. And I do feel towards the end, they sort of... 
built him up to he's gonna have this huge sort of psychotic breakdown or he's gonna you know go on a rampage or something like that and then just gave him a bit of short shrift towards the end just literally just sort of turned it around like oh he's not such a bad guy after all he's got into control now i'd rather have seen he's... him go in another direction if i'm completely honest but as as Wyatt Russell's portrayal of the character and the actual character itself, I think there's a lot of potential there. I I, I think his sort of path is, is a good sort of metaphor for the series itself. I don't know what, how the pandemic affected the plot and what have you and, and different things that they were going to do, but there's certain points within this that I think there was, I felt like there were a couple of missteps. Perhaps things didn't pan out as they were planning to do. It, it, it felt sometimes like I wasn't 100% sure what, what exactly we were supposed to be getting out of him because whilst he was interesting when he was on the screen and to see sort of his downfall well, from the outset, I was convinced that Falcon was going to be Captain America and this is the way we were going. So was this character disposable? Was he, was he only there to show us that or to show Sam that Sam was worthy after all? I didn't buy into the character enough to get away from that idea that he's just he's just for this series and he's just there for sam to realize that the the blonde blue-eyed american isn't going to be captain america again it was kind of i didn't know they built in a little insurance clause on the back end for his character as far as that goes because you know you're saying was he disposable and was his purpose just that but then if that was the case would they have shown scenes like him after you know his disgrace and and he he kills that guy publicly when he is going to put his case forward, the fact that he has fought and bled for this country, shit is going to be his thanks for it. Yeah. And, you know, scenes like that. But that's, I, I think... that's later on, isn't it? But what I'm saying is, is when, when he came yeah. into it, my thinking was, because clearly there was there was his lack of confidence. I, I You know, we didn't know that he was going to take the super soldier serum. I'm not familiar with the character from the comics. Up until the point where he, you know, he took the, the serum and he killed, um, he killed the character. It was, I didn't invest in him as much then because I, 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 I my, my thought was he was there as, as a plot device for Sam to realise that he was worthy. But obviously, as you say, the validation of his character came in when after he did what he did, and then we had the sequences afterwards. And then I, I felt then he became more interesting because we were seeing what it meant to him and how he was dealing with it. And then obviously the. Um, we had um, him meeting... So, yeah, so uh, she, Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So um, so Val- Valentina Allegra yeah, de Fontaine. Yeah, right. Hydra, isn't it? She is, she's not... She's well, not yeah, 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 yeah. So her to come into it then, they're, they're, they're branching off another story now, which this is a story that I am more interested in seeing. I'm more interested in, you know, you, you, you've, you've given us some... Hit- You've given us some insight to his character and, and the kind of the, the fallout from, from his actions. Now I'm intrigued to see what they're going to do with him as US agent and what have you going forward. Maybe Rich is because I'm I, I'm more familiar with the John Walker character and the fact that throughout this series, when he was introduced, I was expecting them to go... Like, there's times in the comic books where John Walker has gone on kill crazy rampages and has been a, a kind a, of... A, a, a bit of a card-carrying yeah, psychopath. Yeah, like a, a Punisher-type thing almost, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just... He, he's, he's kind of like the anti-Captain America in a way. The fact that they pushed him kind of over that line briefly, but then pulled him back in a way that did seem... you know what he did he did purely out of the fact that he'd seen his best friend and, and a guy that he he would have taken a bullet for get killed yeah. and he just he just lost his head and it, it was totally understandable 
But it was it was it's in contrast to Steve Rogers, isn't it? It's in contrast how Steve Rogers' man is. This is why I make reference to like Steve Rogers as he was in Captain America: The Winter Soldier. The fact that he is using near enough lethal force against these people and is probably killing them. We're just not seeing those yeah. deaths. And then you fast forward then to John Walker, who killed this guy in a very public way. You know, maybe it's a comment on the fact that you know social media is 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 dominant now in this in this modern era that we live in and the fact that everyone is carrying a portable camera and with you know video recording equipment in their hands in their pockets and the fact that you cannot get away with stuff like that it could be a comment on all sorts of things about you know excessive force in law enforcement and stuff like that i saw it more as as a sort of contrast to steve rogers because there's not a million miles difference from what he did to what steve did to tony at the end of civil war yeah Yeah, you know yeah now because that was the thing. Because obviously, because it's a Disney Plus show, and even if it was a, even if it was an MCU film, we weren't going to get to see it full on anyway. But I was thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. my impression was they smashed him in the chest in the same way that Steve had smashed Tony in the chest, and then the sort of internet yes. sort of rumors and stuff like that was all oh, the decapitation. And I was like, yeah, it could have actually been a decapitation. Perhaps he took his head off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. And, yeah. I was I like, th- and I think that having rewatched Civil War with that sequence, you do for a moment. He sort of hovers, and he could take Tony Stark's T- head off. Tony he doesn't. He goes for the. He goes for the center. I was going to say Tony. Tony puts yeah. his hands over his face mm. before when he first raises the shield up. Like you say, he yeah. has that mm. sort of hover moment where he's sort of almost aiming the shield, and Tony's covering his face with his hands. Yeah, because that's, he actually that, that they get in the face. But then that's also, Neil, that's the second time in our film that that's happened to Tony Stark because earlier on in the film, when the Winter Soldier pulls a gun on Tony Stark, it's only because he had that kind of watch glove thing covering his hand Bucky would have killed Tony oh, Stark. Oh yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, there was no, there was yeah. no, uh, there was no doubt about that. Bucky was yeah. trying to kill Tony Stark. And you, you just see, because by that point, Bucky is still a killing machine, and yeah. he still has not been, you know, unconditioned. Yeah. But this, this thing with John Walker, for me, it was, a, it was a, it was a complete callback to that sequence in Civil War, and it was Steve Rogers yeah. didn't, and he did. Yeah. The, the whole John Walker character throughout this show. It, I went into this show completely blind. I didn't read up anything on it. And it's only now that if you look back at the initial poster that came out for it, if you look dead centre in the middle of that star, it's actually got John Walker in the US AG yeah. outfit. It, his face is completely obscured, but going into it, I had no idea that John Walker was going to crop up in the way he did and, and be fleshed out in the way he has been. And I, I just got to say, I thought... Wyatt Russell's performance was fantastic. I, I really do like the way that his character arc was pulled back, so he has kind of been redeemed and you know is used as a thing of the way soldiers can be treated when they come back from a war, which is something that has happened countless times throughout America's own history with Vietnam and and God knows what else. Yeah, uh, I just thought he was one of the strongest points of this show alongside the performances of Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. Well, shadow yeah, though. Yeah. A very difficult character to take on as well, because as much yes, as much, as, you, as, much yeah. as you're introducing a new ca- a new Captain America, let's be honest. Even if there was a rug, rug pull in this, if you'd said to me, if I hadn't seen this show, and you said to me, I'm going to give you a spoiler. Towards the end, Falcon doesn't become Captain America, Bucky does. I'd have gone, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So you always had that. So you had the possibility of two new Captain Americas, and then he's coming in as 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 a scripted imposter. So a very mm, difficult yeah. character to pull off. And I know there was a little bit of sort of that. And he's, again, he's, you know, the Twitter trolls and stuff like that. I say, you know, he's like far right or he's this and he's that. No, nothing at all like that. Anyone who's reading anything into into that sort of aspect, I find that very hard to mm-hmm. believe, to be honest. Like you say, 
being patriotic doesn't make you a fascist or a Nazi or whatever you want to, whatever yeah. you want to call it. So there's a million people out there like that who have served for their country, who would live in, you know, have put their life on the line for the country numerous times and are just naturally patriotic. And that's all he was. Yes. <laughs> I agree, yeah. So the, the end of the second episode then, they, they could have kept it a bit more ambiguous, but they actually say that they're going to go and visit Baron Zemo, which obviously then branches back to the events of Civil War. And beginning of the third episode, you've got that scene with Bucky going to visit Zemo and then that awesome prison well, breakout scene. Like sort of, sort of Silence of the Lambs when he first went in there, wasn't there with the sort of glass, yeah, glass yeah, 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 yeah. and stuff like that. And like you say, that <laughs> yeah. to, to follow it then up with that sort of almost little sort of comedy flashback when he's saying his plan of, if let's say we were to break him out, this is how we yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just, even even before we are caught in other what's happening, Sam is like, what have you done? <laughs> it was, it's so good. That, that, that third episode it's, it's got to be the highlight of the season. The one, you know, when they went to Madripoor, like Madripoor, how cool did that place look? It was basically, it was like a sort of um, Shanghai mix with Dubai with a bit of Vegas thrown in, wasn't it? It just looked yeah, tremendous. Yeah, yeah. It looked absolutely tremendous. And it's, it's kind of, in the comic books, it's the place where Wolverine went to hang out for like sort of a few limited series where he just got up to all sorts of no good. And the fact that we now are going there with these characters, I, I loved it. I, that, that, you know, by that point, I was totally sold. Yeah, and like I say, I think you know that was one very much for you know the, the hardcore comic book readers. One there, I mean, I was only vaguely aware of Madripoor yeah. before that, but like you say, if, if you're really invested in the in the series, then that must have been a complete blast. Yeah. So yeah, Daniel Bruhl is back. I'd be completely straight. I really liked Bruhl in in the Civil War anyway, but this time I just thought like, well, same as I've said about the two main characters. Again, he was given more time and just given more sort of chance because. He's a very sort of nondescript villain, isn't he? He's very sort of, on the surface, he's very showy. I mean, he gets broken out. He takes him to this place and it's like full of the most beautiful vintage cars you've ever seen. And he's like, I own all these, you know, and he's like very sort of well-to-do and very sort of showy. But then mm-hmm. his methods are so sort of almost stealth-like, aren't they? I mean, if you look at the events of Civil War, you have the sort of like master plan, evil sort of plot monologue at the end where he says, ah, I was going to turn you all against each other. Cut to the end scene where he's locked in the same cell that the Winter Soldier had been held in, and you get Martin. Uh, I can't remember his name. Or Matthew Freeman's character says to him, "What's it like to lose? You know, after the best laid plans and all that stuff." And he's like, "Did I lose?" Mm. And when you think about mm. it, it's like mm, the Avengers are split up. Shield's yeah, gone. Yeah. A, yeah. Good, a good number of the Avengers are already uh, are locked away in the raft, uh, floating prison. Cap and Iron Man are completely divided, and it's like, well, maybe I didn't get them to kill each other, but I destroyed them internally. That'll do for me. And yeah. he's just happy just to sit there, knowing that one day he'll escape again. <laughs> yeah. Right, guys. Let me ask. Let me ask you this, and it's a general question in relation to uh, MCU villains, and one specifically relating to Zemo. Who would you say, straight off the bat, is the best villain we've had in the MCU? Well, the obvious choice is Thanos. And, and Rich, I know, I know you're going to agree that Thanos is is the you know he's he's the granddad well, yeah. of them all well, yeah, I mean, as far as MCU he's villains go. Second to Jeff Bridges, isn't he? He's um. You know. <laughs> 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 Right, let's just say the Thanos is the best the, the, the villain, but is there an hour-long official video of Thanos <laughs> dancing in a nightclub? I, if it is, because if it that is, if it is, it's not in mind, guys, Daniel Brühl dancing in that, in that nightclub. 
bearing in mind, guys, that is not a fan edit. That is something that Disney put together themselves, or, just, or Marvel Studios put it's together like a themselves. Thirty-second loop that goes on for an hour. Isn't it? It, it was it was done with like loads of different outtakes and stuff of, of and by all accounts that was that was unscripted as well. I was just literally was just filling yeah. some, you know filming some background scenes and he saw just mingling and he just started doing that. And that's why I say that's why I like about Simo is you know if you look at that when they go to that club he walks into that club and he might as well just sort of like swing the saloon doors bar open, you know while you're yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. Because he walks in as if, like, yeah, I'm fucking Baron Zemo. But then everything he actually Daniel does is so well executed. Oh, he's, yeah, he's having the time of his life making this, definitely. Yeah, and like you say, you could actually see that he was enjoying every scene. He walks a very fine line, and some very good actors that have taken on similar roles, in, especially in comic book movies, have come across as almost sort of chewing the scenery and going over the top. He's so restrained in mm-hmm. what he does... And then he just gives you these little glimpses then of the, of the flashiness, of the showiness. You know, yeah. at what point would you think, if you were, if, if I was portraying Baron Zemo, when I got into the mindset that I'm this sort of like 3D chess or 4D chess player, you know, who can sort of outthink anyone, that's my skill, and, you know, this is the way I do things. I do things very sort of sneakily and very sort of stealthily. At no point would I think, when I'm filming this, if they said I'll just blend it in the background, okay, I'll just do a bit of 90s techno rave hand dancing. <laughs> you know, but somehow it works. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's brilliant, and you know, bear in mind this. It was officially released by Marvel Studios yeah. as just like a fun kind of little bit of a marketing sort of thing for the fans, and it's an hour long. Yeah, and it deserves to be an he's hour a, long. He's like part of Zemo for me. Is like he's he's an he's a naughty Bruce Wayne. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. And, I, and I know naughty is massively understated you know, when you consider the the kind of the, the the tragedies he's brought about. But he is that. With with his with his vision of Alfred and what have you, he is he is very much you know Bond villain kind of. Thing. He's loving it, isn't he? He is absolutely relishing everything that he's saying without without quite getting so far as seems to be. Let's let's bring up another kind of character then that that was kind of a supporting character from previous films. Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter. Did either of you? pick up on the fact that it was heavily hinted at the fact that she was the power broker. Yeah, I, when we had the sort of uh, the, the, the WandaVision thing and it was like, oh, people were sort of like theorising about Agatha, Agatha Harkness and stuff, that became like something that was almost spoiled and obvious. Like I say, I'm not a massive comic book reader, so I didn't know about the Agatha Harkness character, but I watch a lot of TV shows and I watch a lot of movies and instantly I was like, oh right, so she's in Mandapur. They're going on by this mysterious power broker. No one knows who she is. She's on the run, but yeah, she's somehow got, you know, this vast, massive nightclub full of stolen art. Yeah, she's the power broker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't a wild cup secret, was it? Let's face it. No, but I think what he was doing there was playing against fan expectations because at no point that I'm aware of in the comic books does Sharon Carter take this route. She has a lot of dark storylines, some of them incredibly dark, but they're usually where she's kind of on the receiving end of bad things done to her by the likes of Armin Zola and Red Skull. Yeah, because she was actually she was brainwashed, wasn't she, to actually to, to kill Steve yeah. Rogers, wasn't she? Yeah, she, she actually, was... as it turns out, was the one that ended up pulling the the, the, the sort of kill trigger shot that actually killed yeah. Steve Rogers at the end of the comic book Civil War. We all thought it was um, Crossbones, but it turns out that she was there on the steps of Capitol yeah, Hill and she course, was actually yeah. there, brainwashed, and shot him in the stomach. It was the stuff that followed and you found out the fact that you know she was pregnant with his child and then none of that was true and just it was the really dark messed up storyline but yeah you know I, I like the fact that they've taken her in a different direction right I, I gotta be honest right as much as they've taken her in a different direction and stuff like that 
I'll go on the record right now that if this storyline continues, she's not the power broker. This is very much like the Mandarin. What she's doing is she's mm. portraying herself as the power broker so the real power broker will reveal themselves. I guarantee she gets she gets some sort of story arc that comes back that she's not the power broker. Was she blipped? I can't remember. We don't actually know, do we? Because she says she'd been on, she says she'd been on the run for years, didn't she? So I would imagine if she yeah. had been blipped, it wouldn't have been as impactful. I'm thinking of, thinking about yeah. it. The events between Civil War and uh, Endgame, uh, Infinity War, there's not a lot of time between those events, really, is there? Yeah. It was two years. That's what I'm saying. So if she'd been blipped, yeah. she would literally have just come back a couple. You know, because what we're looking, this is going to be set a couple of months after the blip, hasn't it? Yeah, this is 2023, isn't it? Yeah. Obviously, that's when 2018, everyone disappeared. Five years later, everyone came back. This is going to be probably... Probably 2024, you know, 25 maybe, at a, at a stretch. Could be, yeah, it could be early 2024, well, but yeah. No, cause, it, no because um, Sam had had the shield for six months, they said, at the beginning, when he's having a little, when he's having a little right. chat with Rhodey at the beginning. Looking for negatives in this series, I was like, ah, oh, Rhodey's in this. And I thought, we're going to get a few sort of like cameos in this series. And that was the only one really bar, you know, I'll say bar the ones we've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Actual Avenger cameos, yeah. I mean, now I thought, oh, we might get one or two, like we might get a little Hawkeye sort of thing in here. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting one of the big hitters to turn up. But I thought, oh, okay, we might get a little bit more of that in this series. Because that was the one thing, you say, with one division, it didn't really fit in. But everyone was just surmising one day that, you know, Steve Strange is going to turn yeah. up or we're going to get to see the Fantastic Four or whatever, you know. But I think we learned from that, didn't we? Yeah, th- this series for me has shown that Marvel Studios, not that I didn't doubt them for a second, the fact that they've been doing this for years anyway, but they can take the sort of B-list characters and they can turn them around into the big hitters. Because coming out of another, the, the, the flip side of it, we've, you know, we've, we've now six episodes in, we've seen the, the series in this entirety. The two main characters for me now, whereas before I would have thought, yeah, do I see Sam Wilson as being a worthy Captain America? Now I do. And now I see Bucky, a character I've always liked, but now he is kind of almost replaced. You know, these two characters for me now are like adequate replacements for Cap and Tony. They've got differences between them. They've got a really good kind of chemistry. There's that always that bit of antagonism because of the fact that they are both quite different people. They're fighting for the same sort of cause, like are they? That's the thing, yeah. yeah. Different yeah. methods, but same end result. Like they understand each other. Yeah, I I cannot fault in any way with the way these two characters have been developed and the fact that we now know so much more about them than we knew before everything that they do every little beat the fact that by the end they're really good friends you, you can see it was always there but there was always just that sort of barrier between them and it took the stuff they go through in this series to sort of just bring them closer well, together I, I that's, that's, gotta, that's one of the things that happens in real life doesn't it if you've got a mutual if you've got a mutual friend yeah and then you're mm-hmm. sort of like you're introduced to their new friend it takes you a while to sort of get used to them doesn't yeah. it you know, it's like oh yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Dave's here again, is he? Oh, here we go. And then yeah. one of the, you know, sorry, sorry, Dave. <laughs> there's someone listening to this now getting really upset. <laughs> but then there's the one night when your your friend's late or whatever, and you and Dave sit down and have a beer, and you go, actually, yeah, Dave's all right. I can see why you get on with him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's always been that sort of thing there, hasn't there? Where you know, sort of Bucky came back, and then obviously it's like, well, I'm I'm back now. I'm, I'm your longest living friend. You know, me and you, we went to war together. Yeah. So uh, you yeah. know, I've made friends with Sam now. <laughs> I've just been reminded of that bit with them. Um, they were in the, when they were getting into Zemo's car, and um, it, it was the replay of the sequence from um, Civil War where um, you're not going to move the seat back, are you? The way I remember it, Rich, is I didn't remember exactly as it was because when Sam is asking Bucky if he's going to move his seat and Bucky says no, 
in Civil War, it's actually Sam that's yeah, refusing yes. to move his seat right, back, yeah. isn't it? You're getting it back. Getting and it, back. Uh, it just works so yeah, well. Yeah. Like these little callbacks. And which, again, Sam yeah, Carter was owned them. by Emily Van Camp, owned by um, Sharon Carter. Because yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. little buggy thing that you know that Steve was yeah, driving yeah. was Sharon Carter had found located it for him, hadn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Going back to Sharon Carter then, personally, perhaps where we differ on this one is because you've got a better knowledge of her character from the comics, whereas I don't. I'm just not that bothered about the character. You know, it, I, I felt like I felt a little bit like Sharon Carter was shoehorned into this. It could have been anybody. I didn't really care that she yeah. was a power broker. I didn't really... Not that I didn't care that she was the power broker, but I didn't care that it was Sharon Carter. The power broker, the character, is absolutely fine. Some mysterious, powerful person working in the shadows. Who's it going to be? There's that, you know, that's, that's a standard fare for these sort of types of programs. The fact that it was Sharon, perhaps it was supposed to hit harder than what it did for me. I, I, I just, yeah. by the end of it, I thought, uh, I, I saw it come in and I, I, don't, I don't really care. Well, no, you're right, Rich. And yeah, they didn't hide it very well. And even my 10-year-old son saw it come in because I think it was in the fourth or fifth episode he, he made comment of the fact that, yeah, he said, Dad, she's going to end up being a bad guy, isn't she? Yeah. I was like, mm, we'll see. Let's talk about the main kind of antagonist in the show then, the the, the Flag Smashers, and in particular, Carly Morgenthau, played by Erin Kellyman. The Flag Smashers, I found this whole plot a little bit confusing, if I'm honest. Oh, Neil, thank you. <laughs> I am, thank you so much because just to clarify, I, honestly, just to clarify, my listeners, we could have all, we'll often discuss things, you know, like movies and stuff like that. Quite often we'll, we'll say, yeah. you know, especially if we've just driven back from the cinema to do something, you know, we'll say we had a chat on our way back or whatever like that. We have had no discussion about this series yeah. with each other, have we? Well, I think the first three episodes we did, but I think from like episode four on, onwards, we've been very, very kind of like, we knew um, closed. We knew this and stuff yeah. like that. So we've also sort of got yeah. where we informed our own opinions. Yeah, and, and it is, I'm, I'm with you from, from the moment you said that I'm with you. I, I don't know what the, what are they called? The GP? The Global, re, what was it? Re, the GRC. Yeah. Right. Repatriation scheme or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't really understand what they're supposed to be doing. I think... I've had it explained My to me. My understanding was that basically it's almost like the sort of Windrush generation that we had over here, where after the mm-hmm. war, we'd lost a lot of men who couldn't do manual jobs now, or a lot of people were injured yeah. and stuff like that. And then we had uh, immigration, didn't we? We had like West Indians and, you know, Asians and Pakistanis yeah. and Indian people coming over. We did. You know, yeah. to, to sort of fill in for those roles, basically. And my understanding is yeah. that during the blip, the, the, the sort mm-hmm. of big sort of first world countries like your, your USAs and stuff like that had opened the doors to more immigrants uh, to come and basically repatriate the, the planet, if you like. So it's like we need, yeah. you know, we've lost 50% of our workforce. Come and live here rather than living wherever you're living, you know, and, you know, come to this land of opportunity. And now well, everyone's come back, yeah. we're going to kick you out. I just Which, thought I, I, I took it more that actually fifty percent of the of the Earthlings have gone. So now what they've done is they formed their own communities. It's, I didn't take it so much as because we don't know what the governments were like. We don't know what was going on. So I took it that actually country borders had uh, you know some of them had disappeared. Communities were set up. A new world existed, and then with everyone then coming back, you then had the 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 borders and the governments and everything as it was. Now it was a kind of, well, we need to go back to how we were because the established borders and finances and, and armies and what have you, you know, we need to go back to the to, to what happened, what, the way things were before the flip. But you've then got these, all the people that have settled and have built their lives over five years. You know, people have had kids, they've had, they've settled down, they've had families, they've reestablished themselves and now they've 
now they've got to go back to where they were before, or, or we don't really know that, do we? I got the impression they'd been sort of repatriated, if you like, and then were told basically, oh, no, you know, you know that house you're living in? Well, the person who owns that house has come back now. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So they, so they decided the best way to do this now was to become sort of a terrorist organization but they never once said terrorist did they i can't remember what they said it was like radical or something or radical radical extremist yeah. no they didn't even go to extremist did they it was very sort of watered down what they were yeah yeah they'd sort of been like sort of radicalized and stuff like that and then at some stage the power broker had become involved with them and you know there was the new super soldier serum had been developed and the power broker somehow got their hand on it giving it to these people who just were terrorists. I don't know whether the plan was to sort of create global confusion or global worry again. I don't know. I don't know what the, the sort of impetus was with the power broker becoming involved with these people in the first place because basically what they seemed to be going for was almost like a form of communism, wasn't it? That everyone's equal and everyone should have, you know, well, socialism, I should say, where everyone's equal and everyone should have, you know, it doesn't matter what you've earned or what you know what you've got. You know you sh- you know you should be entitled to your fair share. I was see what the, the power broker would then think. Well, I can make money out of this because I, you know <laughs> this is the motivation. Yeah, there. I I think guys right credit them credit the Marvel Studios right for trying to address what happened to the world post blip when everyone came back. But I think the way it's done was just it was so confusing. Yeah, we've kind of seen this several times now. I mean, you know, the opening sort of. 30 minutes of Endgame. You know, we've had it addressed the, the following Spider-Man film. Yeah, obviously obviously, Endgame addressed what it was like when everyone was gone, but but would we, guys, would we need this global sort of committee put together to, to kind of, in a strong-arm sort of way, go about dealing with these people and, and kind of saying, well, no, you know, Joe Bloggs is back now, the house that you're now occupying belonged to him, so get out. Is that something that would be done? I, I just, I don't know... I, it was going the other way with Spider-Man because Aunt May was doing charity fundraisers for people who'd lost their houses during the Yeah. So I, 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 I would have found it more understandable if the Flag Smashers were people who'd come back. Yeah, and come back and said, yeah, we yeah, we want what was ours, yeah. That's not your yeah, job, yeah, that's yeah. my job. I think that would have been more impactful and more understandable. Whereas yeah. this, this seems yeah, because... to be, I was lucky enough to hang around. I've been given, you know, a new life. And now the person whose life I've taken is back. I've got to give it back to him. Well, that's not fair. There's no doubt, right? We've only got to look at what the world is going through at the moment. There's no doubt that every single country will do something slightly different and some things will handle them far better and some things will handle them far worse. And where you've got your fundraisers going on in New York, you've got your your fighting and your terror in other areas of the uh, 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 country, probably, as well as other areas of the world. So I definitely think that that's a fair idea of, of, of things that would happen. But my thing is that for the small group that they were, they seemed to be a massive problem considering they were such a small group. Yeah, it was like you know, 10, it wasn't 10, such... 10 or 12 people maximum, wasn't it? You saw it any yeah. time. Other than you know, we've, just, we've just defeated Thanos. And then yeah. now all of a sudden, these this, this group of untrained, albeit they've had the, the super soldier serum, and, and we know that there was mention in their first appearance, I think, whereby they'd been stealing vaccinations for for for, for something or they'd been kind of they, they were so they, they saw themselves as doing a public service weren't they they were kind of you know yeah absolutely yeah this is where it seemed a bit tv seriesy they're not a world they didn't come across as a world threat they were having a massive impact by blowing you know it's it sounds callous to say but blowing up a couple of buildings or doing what they were doing 
it didn't it didn't balance for me. They didn't appear to be part of a world network where no, they were getting a world response. Yeah, and it seemed a bit strange with the sort of reaction that was you know, with Sam and Bucky as well. I mean, obviously John Walker was there just straight away to be shown as a very sort of ham fisted, I thought, representation of the American military and the sort of industrial war complex, which is basically like you you know, you don't you don't agree with our ideals, so we're gonna come in and smash you. Yeah, I think it's it's like yeah, maybe it's a, it is a statement on American foreign policy, yeah, and it's done very yeah. But then Sam and Bucky seem to be going the other way, which is like, oh, this poor kid, she's so misunderstood, and she just she just needs to be talked to. And I can kind of understand that to begin with, but when she's consistently blowing people up and then yeah. saying yeah. things like, "Well, if the innocent have got to die, we got to you know fight for our cause and stuff like that," it's a bit hard to be sympathetic towards her. It didn't help that the actress was her name Erin Kellerman. Erin Kellerman, yeah. Just delivered every line as if she was reading it off a dummy board behind the behind the camera. I, 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 I didn't I didn't buy her at all. Not at a, all. A very rare misstep on the, the part of MCU there. We have like literally romanticized how good the casting is in a lot of the MCU. Mm-hmm. What does she bring to the table? Every scene she was in, I just felt myself cringing watching her. It I felt don't... a little bit like I think they were trying to do with showing him mum and and again I don't know what effect the pandemic was, was that had on it. Hang on, but yeah, she that... was supposed to I, I took it that it was her mum. I took it that well, it was her mum. If it was her mum, how come everyone else in their little group she was like their adoptive mum or something? She she was someone that had taken them all in after the blip. Yeah, yeah, maybe. That was my understanding. Yeah. It was like she became yeah, yeah. almost like a sort of like, you know, these these were the little poor little lost little orphans. And this yeah. woman had taken these people from all over the world. She'd taken them in and sort of looked after them. But then I was thinking, well, hang on a sec. What, what, what's the point of the flag smashers then? So you didn't have it so good when the blip was on, did you? Yeah. Because you lost your, well. lost your friends, it, you lost your families and stuff like that. And you had to be like this adoptive sort of like, you know, fairy godmother came and saved you. And then she died and everyone's sad because it's her funeral. Okay, so what are you fighting about then? Do, do you want to go back to that or, you know? But is, is that what they're saying here? Because they were saying everything was 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 better for us when everyone was or half the people were gone. So effectively, they're agreeing well, with Thanos. She, she so said, is that what they're saying now? And then when she was talking to Sam, when Sam went into reason with her, she was sort of saying, "Well, it's not fair. You know, everything we had has been taken away from us again." But I think what what she's saying is is that we've built a life over five years, and we've 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 set up we've coped for five years is a long time. But what, was, have, what was her what was her aim? Was it ever really clearly explained what the aim of the flag smashers was? Because if it was, yeah. if it was, we're going to sort of fight against the sort of reclosing of borders and stuff like that. Then yeah, I can see a little bit of that. But then, how were they going to do this by stealing some vac- lorry full of vaccinations? It, it, what it, by blowing I, I up, know, by blowing up a few buildings like... or something? By robbing a bank in Zurich or something? This was a character too many. So what what we needed was maybe. Give us more of Sharon Carter and give us more about that. Because with this, what you've got is you've got Falcon's uh, Sam's journey. You've got Bucky is we, we we know his backstory and he's dealing with issues. He's dealing with issues. And what you've got is you present to people. Then you're introducing John Walker, and he's and you know he's he's, he's a troubled person. Yeah. He's not who you thought he was, and he's got all of these issues. And mm. then you've got Zemo, and he's not the person you thought he was. And it's like. Sometimes you just need a baddie or you just need certain things are being diluted. And I think that if you'd taken out, if you'd replaced the flag smashers or just removed them altogether and they were just some 
I, I don't know, mercenaries that um, the power broker was using, that you didn't have to find out about what her motivation was. And she's not really bad after all, but possibly the super soldier serum has perhaps it's warped her mind a little bit as well or hasn't it so it's you know it's a statement on people shouldn't take the super soldier serum because it's the only person that's ever come out of it well was cat it just felt like oversaturation of characters that we didn't they didn't have the time to develop properly and therefore you just you just left thinking that these are supposed to be the main antagonists of the of the uh, of the story and actually they're just falling short when you'd rather have seen just a, basically a, they could have been a very sort of minor subplot after episode three, episode four, I thought, well, this is just building towards Zemo against Bucky, Walker against Falcon, you know? Yeah. And I was like totally yeah. lost by what the Flag Smash was. I was like, why are they in this? What really is the threat? And it seems yeah, to it be felt like, like a side story that, that for some reason was made to be more important. Yeah, when it was this, little at the beginning. this little ragtag band of like under 25s, if you like. Yeah. Running around causing a bit of trouble. Like I said, you know, robbing a few lorries worth of vaccinations and stuff like that. I mean, we're looking at a global pandemic we're in right now. Yeah, yeah. If you steal if you steal a lorry's worth of vaccination, would it really make that much of a difference? It might if you're in India, but it definitely wouldn't if you're over here, would it? And and, and that's where I think as well. And that's where I wonder whether And it was like the military were trying to track them, but they couldn't find them and they're or they're really hard to find and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, but then John Walker just found him within, like, sort of 20 seconds. Yeah. Hmm. Like, either way, guys, like, Neil, you've hit it on the head with some of the stuff you said. I I, I was actually thinking at some point, you know, throughout this series, am am I being really dumb here? Am I I just not getting it? But I'm glad you guys have validated my thoughts on it. I, I don't think the flag smashers, I don't think Carly's character work like you say rich yeah i just think it's a, it's a bit of spider-man 3 syndrome you've got one antagonist too mm. many you just could have cut out that portion of the story replaced it with something else using one of the other characters and you would have served the purpose much better and you would have avoided a load of confusion yeah. and a load of unnecessary characters which ultimately we don't even care about and again you if you look at a reaction with isaiah than what you do with her Yes. Oh, right, let's move on. Right, which perfect, because this series does kind of hit head-on a lot of contemporary racial politics. And any time that the MCU would attempt to do this, and if you were to tell me in advance they was going to do it, I would go into it with some degree of trepidation. But I've got to say it, the way that it's handled in so much as the stuff that we see from Sam's point of view and from Isaiah's point of view, where you had this Captain America in uh, the 50s and 60s, which wasn't allowed to become front and center a hero because of you know the american sort of view in certain parts on african americans and all the stuff that was going on the 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 whole pre-civil rights movement stuff and the way african americans were being treated then and the fact that this guy you know years later he's still alive because obviously being like steve rogers he would age very slowly and the fact that he is still and quite obviously rightly embittered by the fact that he he was incarcerated for 30 years whilst they experimented on him which you can only you know do you think guys that the way that the 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 racial politics in this show were handled were done deftly or clumsily isaiah bradley's storyline i think was was definitely handled very well I think there were one or two bits with a sort of Monday uh, when I was a little bit worried that it was going to go down a certain path. It didn't, thankfully. Basically, I think that the Sam fits into that role because he earned that role. His representation as Captain America is for America. It's not for any one race or, or culture or creed or whatever, you know? 
I think that um, with, with my limited experience and knowledge of the circumstances around the world, particularly in America at the time and, and, and what's going through at the moment, I think that I feel like it was it was sensitively handled. My my view is that it was sensitively handled and well handled. I'm glad that they did seemingly tackle it quite head on and and bring that real world sort of view to it because I think that's I, I do think I, I do think that's important. I don't think we need to be watching a program as we've said before that programs that are films that are, that are for escapism but everything is reflective of what's going on in the real life to some degree um, yeah, and i think i feel is. like yeah, that yeah, they yeah. handled this I, I feel like they that they handled it sensitively and i i think that it was done confidently that, that that's my interpretation of it yeah yeah and i gotta be honest guys i've pretty much stayed away from what the general consensus of this show is on social media because i've not been on social media much this last well six weeks or so i, I We've got our own opinions, and I don't think we need anyone else to tell us on Twitter whether we're right or whether we're wrong. Whatever mm-hmm. agenda's behind it, that, I think that's, the, that's the, the the best way of summing it up. Like I said, there's there's, yeah. there's people who go to the extremes of the left, and people that go to the extremes of the right, especially on Twitter. That's why sometimes social media can be you know, the sort of death knell for sensible conversation, really, isn't it? Absolutely. So, guys, uh, obviously, you know, in that last episode, we finally see uh, Sam donning the, the Wakandan kind of Captain America Falcon suit. What do we think when the final reveal is given? I didn't think there was enough explanation given to the Wakanda suit, to be honest, because my sort of feeling by about sort of like episode four, towards the end of episode four, definitely through episode five, was well, at some stage, Sam is going to have to take the super soldier serum because there's no way that he can be Captain America and match these people when they're so sort of like advanced ahead of him, if you like, with the sort of leg up they've been given. And then when they had the sort of twist of the Wakandan suit, I thought, oh, right, this is going to be like almost like a sort of Iron Man scenario where you've got someone who, all right, you know, admittedly, you take take Sam out of the suit, he can handle himself. He's, you know, he's ex-military personnel. You know, you've seen him in scenes prior to that where, you know, he's more than competent at sort of like fighting and shooting and doing all the sort of action hero stuff. But when you're going up against a superhero, you know, unless, you're, unless you've unless got like sort of Batman-style gadgets or Tony Stark-style gadgets, you're always naturally going to come off second best, aren't you? And I thought with the Wakandan suit that there was going to be some sort of, you know, this is like filled with vibranium and it's got the latest technology, so, you know, uh, Suri's put this into it or whatever, you know? It was about the case, wasn't it? It was about that thing of, it was a bit of play. It was a bit sort of, we, we, we think we know what's in there kind of thing. And it was a bit of, a bit of play with that. And I'm glad that he didn't, I'm glad that he didn't um, spend too long teasing what was in the case. Vibranium, they've got a bit of an out there, haven't they? Because ultimately, you know, they've got to be careful that, everything doesn't end up being vibranium because it's kind of like well, it cancels it, itself it, out then, no, yeah it does yeah it does yeah i thought there was going to be some sort of like little leg up for him to be you know well naturally if this was a fair fight at the very least sam would be a 50 50 sort of favorite wouldn't he you know because yeah. like i say because of his past experience but you put him up against someone who's like you know full of like you know super duper steroids and you know that's you know it's almost like tying one arm behind his back isn't it yeah. so i thought there was but you some... said it as well earlier on you said that um to bucky and, and falcon were sort of filling the the vacancies of captain america and iron man whereas personally i take it that now captain america as sam is captain america and iron man in one in one character you that's know everything right. that yeah. you know when, when he was pushing the when he was the van back up onto the bridge or whatever that structure was you know it was a bit of a the, the jets from the from the wing you know from the pack with the wings are and all sorts of so everything now is there's going to be some sort of attachment there's going to be something which is nanotech da, 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 it's, it's vibranium it's 
you know, they never, they never even explained. I mean, there was there were several times when, like I say, at the end bit when he's fighting with Carly, he's blocking punches with a shield, and then you know when she sort of like pushes him back, he put the wings into the ground, and I thought that was a really nice touch. He was like yeah, using that, was that really as like a balance, like you know, to stop him from going yeah. back any further. The thing is, he's wearing he's clearly wearing fabric. His, his, his uniform is clearly fabric, isn't it? Or whether it's leather or whatever, but it's 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 like it's like Steve Rogers' is, is uniform. Yeah. We're not we're not seeing him wearing metallic gloves or anything like that. So you couldn't even say that you know there were you know his reinforced gloves or whatever. It, 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 it might end up being. But if you look at the but... black, if you look at the Black Panther suit, that's almost like a sort of lycra type thing, isn't it? It's like you know. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Guys, I was only asking about the look of the suit. Well, Jesus. <laughs> the look of the suit. I, I think it was very comic book accurate, but it did look a little bit cosplay to me. You know, I think much like Cap and Iron Man, I think this is like yes. the first of many yeah, iterations of this suit yeah. we're going to see. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was wicked. Yeah. The bollocks, dear. So, guys, let's um. <laughs> Look, we've 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 gone through a lot of the things that we like about this show, of which there are many, and a few of the things that we didn't. Uh, what are your final thoughts then on this limited series and your scores out of ten? I thought that the positives far outweighed the negatives. The the bits that I liked, I loved. It was quite. I felt that overall as a series, it was quite patchy, but the the the, the, the peaks were were proper peaks. I did what I didn't want it to be was six episodes of just exposition a six episode one shot that we would have had just to fill in a gap because cap gives him the shield in endgame and he's captain america in the next avengers film where what would what would have happened before would have been it would have been a one shot so it would have been five minutes on a blu-ray and that this is how we became captain america or this is the first time he put the suit on It, it wasn't that but i did feel that on retrospect whilst i enjoyed every episode there were certain things that were waning my interest. And as I said, I, I came to terms with John Walker and enjoyed him more later on. All the stuff with the with the, the flag breakers or whatever the hell they were smashers. called. Flag smashers. You can get rid of that. Sharon Carter. Without the flag smashers, perhaps her character could have been, her, her story could have been better because I don't really care about her by the end of it. However, I love Sam. I love Bucky. I love. I, I really, really like the stuff with Isaiah. I've realised that this could have been a brilliant film because if this was two and a half hours or two hours twenty of a film, a lot of the stuff with the flags, it would have been neater and and the fat would have been trimmed off. And I think that whereas One Division was perfect as a series, I my view is and what I've come to realise is that this, if they'd have trimmed off a lot of the fat, it would it would have been one of those films you. It was far better than you expected it to be, but it's certainly not. It's certainly nowhere near the worst of the MCU. It's a really, really strong series. I, for me, I think One Division pips it as a series, but only just. I can't remember what I gave One Division as a score, but I, I, this is a this is a solid eight. This is a solid eight out of ten for me. Yeah, I completely agree with Rich. I mean, whether this would work better as a film, I think, on the whole, I'd have to agree with you on that. But by the same token. Would we have had the opening four episodes? I mean, you've got virtually three and a half hours there. So that's a bloody long film. And the first opening yeah. four episodes, you could, oh, you could probably trim that down to a two and a half hours. You know, if you trim the fat off those. The opening four episodes promised so much for me. Gave me pretty much everything I wanted. And it just seems to be that with these TV shows, the same way I was saying about WandaVision, they just tend to sort of lose their way in the last episode or so and just, like, fail to nail the landing. You know, I did mm. feel with this last episode, some of the action scenes that were filmed in this, like you see the opening uh, shot with these going through the canyon, that was fantastic. The, the, the closing action scene, I felt it was very dark, it was very dingy, it was very hard to follow what was going on. 
I just felt that you know, this series, the setup to it was great. It just failed to nail the landing for me. As Sam and Bucky go, well, there's already rumours now that Captain America 4 is in development off the back of this. I'd love to see a Captain America film with Sam in the, in the lead role and with Bucky playing sort of like, you know, second fiddle, if you like, or supporting sort of that, you know. It just fell short. If I was looking at score in this, on it, it's, it's weird because I'm, pick, I'm picking faults in this, but on enjoyment level of this show, it's easily a 9 out of 10 for me. I've enjoyed every episode, even the ones that mm. were a bit duff. But when I look at it with my sort of cynical head, it goes down to a 7 out of 10 because there's you know, a few sort of major sort of plot holes in this. But the bad far outweighs the good. So for me, it's just 8 out of 10. Yeah, I, I think, guys, I, yeah, I, all the criticism that has been you know, raised in relation to this show. I think it's all valid. For me, I just so enjoyed the things I liked about this so much that I'm willing to forgive him yeah. to a degree. Yeah, but yeah. That, that's me looking at it from an enjoyment point of view. I, I was thoroughly just engrossed with the whole show and it's only afterwards on reflection that a few of the problems sort of started to rear their ugly heads. From an enjoyment point of view, I'd say it was a nine and then when I look at the things which didn't, necessarily have to be in there that didn't progress the plot things which did, didn't really kind of make sense it definitely bumps it down a whole point at least maybe more but i'm gonna go with you guys i think it's a solid eight out of ten the, the stuff i liked about it you know the, the the main relationship between sam and bucky i absolutely loved henry jackman's score i thought was superb some of the action scenes were fantastic it just towards the last two episodes the last one in particular just kind of lost its way it had a very weak main antagonist but it had a lot of other good stuff so yeah i'm gonna go with you guys eight out of ten for me so that is a full meeting nine verdict for the falcon and the winter soldier of eight out of ten I know the temptation, especially with the sort of like the situation that the world's in at the moment, would be doing the other TV series. Like I said, I'm hoping now they just progress onto a movie and just get back to what they do really well, which is the movies. As a TV yeah. show, I'd love to see a spin-off with Zemo. Oh god, yeah, 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 there's, yeah, there's yeah. a whole, there's a whole. The, he's almost going up to sort of Loki standards of like mischievous villains now, isn't he? We may well see a Thunderbolts team further down the line with him leading them, you know, a kind this of anti-Avengers yes. type of thing. Yeah. And it's like, like it's going to be Marvel's version of Suicide Squad, but hopefully done a little bit better. But I got to say as well, I did love that sort of end scene again that sort of mirrored the end scene in Civil War, where, like I say, when he sat there telling Marty Freeman, he's like, "Well, oh, did I lose? Did I really?" And it was like with this one, he was like, Sharon Carter was there, sort of taking the credit for blowing up the Super Soldiers. And they wanted it was like the oldest butler in the world had done it. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. like when he was on the plane with the but when the butler came in, I was like, Yes, yeah, sir, would you like a drink? Or I'm gonna give you some caviar. I was like, No, yeah. if anyone had any doubt that you were an evil man, I mean that guy should have been retired thirty years ago and he's still serving you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was quite nice. I thought that was You've almost got that sort of like reverse sort of bizarro Batman thing going on, haven't you? Where you've got this sort of like person who's like outskilled and outmaneuvered, but uses his brain to get around things. And then you've got like the sort of anti-Alfred as well, like haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, so there we go, guys. Ah, I think um, hopefully next time now uh, we won't be dealing with any comic book franchises uh, just to Kevin, give everyone a break. Coming in two weeks, right, sir? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll have a few episodes before that, I think. So, guys, where can people get hold of you if, if they want to hit you up on social media to uh, either agree or disagree with what we said tonight, or to gen just generally chat with you, fine fellows? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Gaskin. 
Or you can get me via the film website as well. Yep, same here, via the website or at Richard underscore Roberts on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Sky Movies. And like Neil says, you can find the rest of us on Twitter and Facebook at Film89UK. Or you can email us, admin at film89.co.uk. Uh, please, if you could, you could communicate this by the way of a positive review on Apple Podcasts. That would be absolutely great for us. Uh, thank you for all the great feedback about the last few episodes. Apologies for the fact there's been a bit of a gap between episodes 65 and 66. We hope now that we're coming out of our most recent big lockdown that uh, normal service will resume. Next time we record, we might all be in the same room. Would it be nice if we could talk about the cinema experience again? What's that? That would be a thing, wouldn't well, it? Well, the last time me and Sky talked about the cinema experience, unfortunately, we had to talk about tenants. So, you know, that's rather bad. Eh? <laughs> How long's it been? Yeah. How long's it yeah. been? Obviously, we got Black Widow coming out, which is going to be a dual sort of release, isn't it? The way things yeah. are going, I wouldn't mind betting we're all going to be watching Black Widow at home again. Be really nice now if we had. When we've got like Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings coming out, we've got the Eternals coming out. Be really nice if the next time the Dream Team met up, we were talking about an MCU experience and talking about us all sitting in the cinema watching it, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed, yeah. So there we go, guys. Uh, that's episode 66 done. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. And until next time, stay safe, stay happy, but more importantly, stay classy. <laughs>